Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 17th installment of Painting the Corners with Anton Schindler, brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. Now, in last week's episode, we talked all about the worst teams in baseball and all of the worst seasons they and their fans had to endure. We talked about teams that had win percentages in the high 200s, which is lower than low, recording less than 48 wins in every case. But this week is going to be different. You see, in that same episode, I tried to outline a player or two that actually had a pretty successful season, and try to give some insight on how the season wasn't really as bad as it sounds. However, it'll be difficult to do that this week because we're going to talk about the best Major League Baseball teams and seasons to date. Now, it's hard to outline exactly one or two players that stood out in these situations because in most of the teams that we talk about, it's been a pretty good team effort with loads of chemistry and really unbelievable baseball. So, let's hop right into it. Now, a bit of a disclaimer here, I'm going to include teams that both won the World Series and lost the World Series, as well as lost at any point during the playoffs. I'm basing this solely off of win percentage and overall record during the season because, after all, the playoffs are really a whole different animal. And that's a really good point to jumpstart this podcast because the two teams that we'll start with share a record for the most wins in a season, sitting at 116. The only thing is, both of these teams walked away without a World Series ring. The 1906 Chicago Cubs are the first team to make it to 116 wins, going 116-36. and 36. They currently hold the highest win percentage ever as well, right around a 763. This team literally won over three quarters of the 152 games that they played that season. Now, I won't spend a lot of time on this team since we covered them a bit in the Chicago Cubs episode a month ago, but it's important to understand that this team lost the World Series just a year before they would win back-to-back championships. Well, before the drought, that is. So, it's safe to say that this team was incredible. And it also provides a pretty good benchmark for the rest of this podcast. Next up, we have the 2001 Seattle Mariners. Now, the Mariners have never really been World Series competitors. The Florida, or I guess now Miami Marlins, are the only team that have fewer playoff appearances than the Mariners, but even the Marlins have found their way to a World Series championship. You see, the Mariners have never won a pennant, and never been in the World Series. But they were very close in 2001. The Mariners started a big playoff push in 2000 when they received their first wildcard bid since 1997. They ended up winning 91 games, losing just 71, and ended up going to the American League Championship Series before eventually losing to the Yankees four games to two. But the Mariners kept that taste of victory on their tongues. After losing Alex Rodriguez to free agency, the Mariners picked up 27-year-old Ichiro Suzuki, who was fresh out of the Japan Pacific League. Ichiro played incredibly that season, hitting 350 as a rookie <laughs> with 242 hits as the Mariners' right fielder. 
The performance pushed Ichiro to a Rookie of the Year title, as well as the AL MVP award. Brett Boone helped with his bat too, with a batting average of 331 with 37 home runs and 206 hits for himself. Now, a culmination of the incredible offense helped the pitching staff get the job done as all of the pitchers in the six-player rotation pitched a winning record, winning 10 or more games per pitcher. Jamie Moyer, the ex-Rocky, by the way, and Paul Abbott, led that squad going 20 and 6 with a 769 win percentage and a 17 and 4 with a 810 win percentage respectively. The bullpen stayed strong too as Kazuhiro Sasaki recorded 45 saves on the season, an unbelievable feat and one that helped this team push themselves all the way to that incredible 116 and 46 season. The Mariners faced some heavy competition when it came to the playoffs, however. They narrowly escaped the American League Division Series, winning three of the five games that they needed when they played against the Indians, and then met up once again with the New York Yankees in the American League Championship Series. And, just like it was the year before, the Yankees would make fairly short work of the Mariners, only allowing one win in Game 3. Now, speaking of the New York Yankees, this would be a pretty unfair list if we didn't recognize them at least once. The New York Yankees' 1998 season is the third highest season in terms of wins. They ended the season going 114-48 and with a 7.04 win percentage. Now, this team is really special because it breaks this postseason skid that we've been on with the other two teams. As a matter of fact, the Yankees organization went 11-2 and in the playoffs, with only two losses coming in the American League Championship Series against the Cleveland Indians. That's right, this team swept the ALDS three games to none, and then swept the Padres in the World Series four games to none. And what a team they were. I mean, a lot of people remember this team thanks to Derek Jeter, who hit 353 in the World Series, following up his 324 batting average during the regular season. But Jeter wasn't the only player that helped this team to this impressive record. Bernie Williams, the switch-hitting center fielder, clobbered 26 home runs, second to only Tino Martinez, who found himself with a 422 on-base percentage. Besides that, the Yankees collected a team ERA of 382, which is a pretty solid stat, and properly introduced maybe one of the most prolific closers of our generation, Mariano Rivera. In Rivera's fourth season with the Yankees, he had a 1,000 win-loss percentage in 54 games, recording 36 saves coupled with a 1.91 ERA. That's unheard of. 35-year-old David Wells earned the highest win-loss percentage of 818, .068 above any of the other starters, going 18-4 with a 349 ERA and 163 strikeouts. I mean, this really was a team that had everything going right for them, pretty much the entire time. But one thing that really puts these two seasons into perspective is that the 2001 Mariners and the 1998 Yankees are the only two teams that have achieved a win percentage of 700 or higher, 
which requires 114 or more wins in a season, about. Now, there are actually quite a few teams that have achieved a 700 win percentage in a season, but these two teams are the only two that have done it since the season was expanded to 162 games in 1961. So yes, that also includes the Dodgers season last year. They're not eligible to be on the list because they only played 60 games. Now, it might be unsurprising for some, but the New York Yankees are on this list of best seasons a couple times. Besides that 1998 season, the Yankees won 106 games in 1939 and a World Series with their two sluggers Joe DiMaggio and Bill Dickey. In 1961, Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, and Yogi Berra, all first or second ballot Hall of Famers, by the way, pushed the Yankees to a 109-53 and 53 record, and, you guessed it, another World Series win. And what about the 1927 season, when the Yankees went 110-44 and 44 and swept the Pirates in the World Series with the help of Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig? I think you can say, in pretty much all certainty, that the Yankees have seen quite a bit of success over the years, and really a lot of unbelievable players that help them achieve that success. Also, it really seems like I'm talking about Babe Ruth a lot in these episodes, huh? Hmm. So, you might be asking if there are any teams that have been close to the record amount of wins that still have unbelievable seasons, but didn't quite get to that 700 win percentage. Now, again, I can't include the Dodgers here due to the shortened season last season, but what about the 2016 Cubs? Now, as I mentioned in the Chicago Cubs podcast from a few weeks ago, I mentioned the incredible 103-58 and season that the Cubs had in, in order to make their way to the first World Series appearance in 71 years where they would eventually break the 108-year championship drought. But what about the 2018 Boston Red Sox? Now, I remember the 2018 season for really just the absolute chaos that was the standings as soon as we got to August, September, and October. It was one of those years where your team was either a couple of games above 500 or like a lot of games above 500 or so far in the basement, like so far at the bottom of the standings that there was no hope of climbing back out. I mean, that was the year where there were, I think, almost three teams in the NL West that all would have to battle it out for the playoffs. It was the Dodgers, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks that were all like fighting for that number one, number two spot. And I just remember how unbelievably crazy that was. But another one of the divisions that was really tight that entire 2018 season was the American League East, which had the Yankees and the Red Sox, who both won 100 or more games, with the third place Tampa Bay Rays getting pushed out of the playoffs, even after going 90 and 72, which in itself is a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> The 2018 Red Sox were really special for a few pretty obvious reasons, but a good explanation for why this team was so unbeatable is that they went 11-3 in the postseason. Just like the Yankees in that 1998 season, just one more loss, but they ended up fighting off three very good teams 
in the Yankees, the Astros, and the Dodgers without really much trouble at all. Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, and Andrew Benintendi all hit close to or above 300 in the regular season, swatting 91 home runs between the three of them. 43 of which came from J.D. Martinez, by the way. Now, on top of the incredible offense that came from this team, there was plenty of pitching to seal the deal. Chris Sale had an unbelievable season going 12-4 with a 750 win-loss percentage and a 211 ERA. And that was all on top of the 237 strikeouts that he managed to get that season. <laughs> David Price went 16 and 7 with a 3.58 ERA, and Rick Porcello went 17 and 7 with a 4.28 ERA in the 33 games that he started, which was more than any of the other starting pitchers that year. Now, it's really interesting going through all of these teams and seeing what aspects really help these teams out a lot. Now, as I said in the introduction to this podcast, it's hard to pinpoint just one or two players that made a difference. Now, I realize that I did sort of do that when I went through this list, but it's important that you realize that it was really a full team effort. I mean, everyone on these teams hit well, they all pitched well, and they all really fielded well. But most of the teams that I mentioned had superstars. I mean, some, like the Mariners, arguably only had one or two superstars. But I mean, most of these teams had a handful of players that would go on to have illustrious, sometimes almost Hall of Fame level careers. Now, at this point, I wanted to talk about some predictions on teams that I think could be the next to 116 wins. But after a lot of thought and a lot of pondering, it's really hard to say. Now you see, as teams get better and better and players get better and better and teams continue to develop and so on and so forth, I mean, it's going to be nearly impossible to win that many games in the future. I mean, it'll have to be a truly special team, one with unbelievable team chemistry and really just loads and loads of raw talent to push them above the rest so far that they get to that 116 win season. But even so, don't be surprised if we don't see such a milestone met for quite a while. So in next week's episode, we're going to talk all about money and some of the craziest contracts and some of the highest paid baseball players of all time and discuss whether or not the contract was really worth it in the end. Thank you for listening.